You are listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! All the hitters out there, man. I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. Tua, shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown! Okay. It's Waddle! His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of, of the day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast. Part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, we are back in the film room for the 11th time this season. We'll comb through every snap and tell you what stood out on offense, on defense. Plus, we'll update the numbers and leaderboards, visit the snap counts from the game, and hear from head coach Mike McDaniel at his Monday media availability from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time That's Podcast. another Miami Dolphins You guys know the drill. Tuesdays are always very busy editions of the Drive Time Podcast. So with that, let's go ahead and jump right in with the offensive all 22 review. And it was first half heavy for sure. And I know we went in depth on this on Sunday, but from the very first play of the game, we see it. And I just want to break it down further about the way Tua does these subtle things that I think stand out in a, in a, way that isn't easily recognizable. So it's a play action to the offense's right, and they'll throw the glance, a slant route basically, back to the right, and that's not all that common. But it's all about the responsibilities Tua has on the play and the collection of talents that we'll see throughout this game and his tape and this particular play in particular. The way the feet and the release work in rapid succession with the processing between the ears. We heard Coach Monday say that Tua or Sunday, I should say, do some things in OTAs that he had never seen executed within this this system in his 12 and 13 years of operating solely within the confines of this type of system in which he spent most of his career within, right? And if I had to put my finger on what that might be, I think it's what you saw on the first play of the game. He has to drive three steps wide out of his, you know, out of front or center, and extend the football on what is outside zone action. Then he angles back to the middle of the pocket, extending that drop really to five steps. He then turns his head before he's even hit the plant foot, and as he hits that plant foot, you see the hands separate, and the ball's coming out before Jalen Waddell is out of his break. And again, this is a glance route where the line of scrimmage is the 34-yard line, and Waddle breaks off his route at the 41-yard line. So as fast as Jalen Waddle, one of the five or six fastest players in the league, give or take, as fast as he can run seven yards, Tua has executed a play fake, taken a five-step drop, pivoted back to the defense without having any post-snap information because his back is to the defense, set his feet, and delivered the pass, which is right on the money, by the way. When I watched each and every one of his college snaps on slow-mo, full speed, run it back, see it six or seven times, I always marveled at the operation of his footwork how his feet took him to the solution to the problem the defense wants to create on every single play. Something as innocuous as a speed out, a five-yard out route, boom, one-two, ball out, 
Let's go. Make it quick. Where he takes the drop straight so it's not the tip of defense about going to the left, going to the right, stay down the middle of the pipe. Then pivot that plant foot in the same action that you take your drive foot and point it towards your target so everything is aligned towards your target, then stride and throw, and it's high and away off the outside shoulder, away from that inside leverage defender who can't make a play because the ball is located so well high and away, just like the throw high and away to Waddle against Cleveland with Eric Stokes driving underneath. This is something I don't think will ever be appreciated by your casual show-up-on-Sunday football fan, which is a great way to watch the game, right? Nothing against that approach at all. But that's why I do the podcast, to try to explain what I see and give you the details if you are interested in them. And of course, if you're here, I think you're interested in those things. But boy, I thought this was going to be a quick tape watch. And here I am, almost 500 words on the opening play. (laughs) That's what I do. That's what we do, baby. But we're going to use that as a template to come back to because he accessed these skills time and time again throughout the course of this game, like on the very next play. Tyreek is going to run a little check slash, you know, check with me hookup where he releases off the line of scrimmage and gets his eyes back to the quarterback immediately. It's a free release from a condensed split. So he's in close to the formation with the outside corner, outside leverage, butt to the sidelines, eyes back to the quarterback, and playing eight yards off coverage to that same side of the formation. Durham Smythe is attached to the line of scrimmage. So Smythe runs a flat route, and that pulls this hook middle linebacker out of the equation and you see Tyreek kind of filling where he is and just kind of getting eyes back to Tua and the timing is a little bit wonky because it's a feel type of play like if the linebacker doesn't move a certain speed we have to kind of adjust for that and you see Tua's feet just like Peyton Manning style stutter in the pocket stutter in the pocket reset and get perfectly aligned to rip it to Tyreek in the second window that opens up and the coolest part about these plays is that it essentially eliminates the pass rush on its own. Because it happens in like one and a half seconds and nobody ever gets to the quarterback in in under two seconds. It's just not doable. And so Tua, by the nature of his inherent skill set, which he, you know, he's been repping since he was a child to get it to that level of proficiency, because he offers that, you have a handful of plays every single game where they, they cannot get pressure on your quarterback. It's not possible because the quarterback is so adept with the footwork, the processing, and the release. All three of those elements of his game, they might be the fastest in the NFL. I'm not, I'm not sure if it is. It's up there. And because of that, you get 10 or 15 reps a game where the pass rush is negated against your passing plays. It's, it's high level. It's why his sack percentage is so good. It's why every year his sack percentage is way lower than any other Dolphins quarterback in the lineup when he gets injured or gets taken out of the game, whatever the case may be. It's a superpower of his. And gosh, the throw to Waddle just two plays later is another superpower. He has color in his face immediately as Austin Jackson uh, gets pressure on the inside post, like right off the snap. And Tua's working the front side of the formation where the original read is. And Waddle is one of the two options to the backside. And this all happens in the amount of time that it takes Jalen to get from the 33 to the 30-yard line. So it's a three-yard situation where Waddle covers three yards of ground and Tua does all of this. So Tua's eyes are to Tyreek to the field, the front side. He whips his head back to the backside and the hands separate, which means, of course, the ball is coming within those three yards of Waddle getting depth. The ball is out as Waddle is splitting two defenders and by the time the ball and he intersect, it's into this wide open pocket 15 yards down the field. So you might see these wide receivers like wide open watching the game, but just know that a huge, the biggest part of it 
is the quarterback playing as fast as the mind conceivably can operate? Like, the way he processes information in a game where, like, have you guys been field level in an NFL game before? It moves very fast. That's why, like, I don't get too down on officials because it's a tough thing to do. Now, picture playing quarterback and trying to put the football in this football-sized, you know, target operating at that level of speed and proficiency from a mental standpoint. Those three elements of his game are the superpower, okay? That with the accuracy, I just said, okay, like a coach. That's not my style, okay? Are you with me? Everyone okay with me, okay? Those things with the accuracy anticipation is why he's number one in everything right now. It's why this offense is functioning the way it is. I mean, you're going to see every excuse out there because it's the easiest thing to do. I'm telling you right now, those elements of his game are why this offense is averaging 3.3 <laughs> points per possession under Tua, and it's down to like three points per possession when you factor in every possession the Dolphins have. And the second-place team is under three points per possession. So, like, the Dolphins' offense with Tua is really, really at a historic pace and it's because of those traits. It's not like everything else helps, but two was the biggest factor of it, guys. Like, understand that, please, because it's the it's very much the truth, and it's why the guys that break the film down that you you love and respect say the exact same thing. So it's it's incredible to watch him do this, and it's to operate that way with a blue jersey right in his face. It's just man, it's high high level. Then you get the second drive <laughs> on one drive uh the second drive first play of drive number two i love the design texans wheel into this cover three look we have you know three deep defenders covering a third a third a third from off coverage and both jalen waddle and trent Sherfield just run right at the post safety then waddle puts his foot in the ground and angles it back to the corner for a post corner route and that pulls the post safety five yards back because he has to get depth to contend with this waddle corner route and it forces the outside corner in that deep third to flip his hips and lose complete sight of the play. And then from there, it's just Trent Sherfield running away from the outside leverage zone cornerback on the other side. And Tua fires a 35-yard line drive down the field to Trent Sherfield. It picks up 24 yards because Tua had a, a deep drop on the play. But it's a design that creates an easy 24-yard gain. So there is some of that in the game, but it's not at all all of it. It's all <laughs> – when someone tells you, like, oh, they're only doing this because of this, just say, that's cool. I'm glad we have elite receivers, an elite play caller, an elite quarterback. It's fun when you have all those things like I don't care who's responsible for it because it all works together and it's why you're averaging 3.3 points per drive which is an absurd figure two points is what you want to be 3.3 points per drive under this quarterback I'm fired up today can you guys tell so then they come right back with a straight drop back from under center and you see the linebackers influenced by Ingold from this offset eye formation I know you young Madden players out there back in my golden days of the early 2000s know about some offset eye formation where they show action to run off tackle because Ingold just angles his uh, post snap you know track right off tackle and it creates these false steps and with that quick process we talked about with Tua one false step, and it's game over. We're talking two or three false steps. Hits the top of the drop, balls out before Tyreek hits the dig part of his inbreaker. 15 more yards, design, quarterback proficiency. It's it's all clicking, man. He creates these throwing windows so well for himself. Like, there's a reason he's a six-foot quarterback who never gets the ball batted down, right? The fourth down pass to Trent Sherfield is a good example of that. Texans bring four with a two-man shell coverage. Zone coverage, under, or not two men, so I'm sorry, two high shell, uh, cover two. Two safeties up top, shell coverage underneath, and you see Tua look at two guys. First, it's Tyreek to the boundary, and he's the two receiver. So your one's the furthest out, your two's the slot 
to the short side of the field. And then to the field side, the wider side, Trent Sherfield is the three, which means one's furthest out, two's next in, three is closest to the line of scrimmage, and Tua takes the shotgun snap, and he wants to go now. Catch, rock, throw, but the hook defender on Tyreek is all over it. He blankets. In fact, he drives on that because Tua hitches and does this subtle pump where he just separates the hands and goes right back. And when Tua does that, this defender drives on Tyreek, and Tua, because he knows this, he has the answers to the rest of the test, because if you give him the 50-50 who wants to be a millionaire option, he's going to say, okay, well, based upon this information, now I have backside information, and eliminate half of what I have to read as a result. So Tua knows that him driving on that Tyreek route creates that inside window, which is where Trent Sherfield's coming from the field, cross face of the defensive back. Now, on a play like this, it's another one of these situations where we saw this throughout the course of the game on Sunday where the timing can be disjointed because you don't have, in a situation like that, you don't have the luxury of perfect mechanics. He's padding, resetting, searching for the perfect time to let that ball go. And when he does, his feet are basically planted, not towards his target. They're off to the right. He's throwing back to the left. And he's able to get it on location from this unconventional setup, which is part of the ball handling RPO action and why he's so sharp in the quick game when you just, it's like, if I can describe it this way, it's like if you're guarding someone in basketball and he's like in a dribbling position and the ball is just up over your head before you can react to block the shot and then it's going to hit the bottom of the net because he's so accurate. Like the release, it's it's Philip Rivers, it's Dan Marie. It's like it is among the best I've ever seen, quite frankly. That, that's all I, that's all I got to say about that. I thought the touchdown throw was one of the better plays in his career the one to Smythe. As we continue to say that about various plays each week, every single route is absolutely blanketed on this, on this play. And luckily, protection's great. Tua can, sta- can scan, but there's still nothing there. So he has to move. He has to create. Because once you, you know, get off that spot, the defensive back slide, the receivers can open up. It becomes backyard football. And Durham Smythe does a great job just showing his numbers to the quarterback. And Tua, running away from a bunch of large men on the move, throws a dot right on the numbers between the eight and the one for a touchdown. Good job, Durham. Good job, protection. Good job to Ron Armstead for a late block to free up Tua. And what a job by Tua. The thing we said about the glance route earlier, you get another example on the long Tyreek catch and run because Tua interrupts play fake action on the reverse pivot and sets up and throws. And before before the Texans can even realize they're taking false steps, the pass is behind their head. And the reason this creates so much space for Tyreek to show off that speed is very simple. I counted four false steps <laughs> from that backside linebacker in the wrong direction after you drove us halfway across the country in the wrong direction. After Tua had thrown the ball, and it looks simple, but I promise you it's not. Take the snap, right foot drop step, then open up with that second step with the left foot, which is the plant leg. So his first step with that left leg is his plant foot. So one, two, ball out, back to the defense, get to the setup in a matter of less than a second, and that ball is already coming out. Again, I know it seems simple. But look around the league, and you're not going to find many quarterbacks doing this stuff, man. Similar deal on the pop to River Craycraft. Ball is out as Craycraft takes his first step around the reroute, putting the defense in extreme peril where if I if I take any step forward, the ball's behind my ear hole, and I can't do anything about that. If I take a step back, I now am giving up leverage to an offensive line flowing downhill. Like, it's Tua maximizes your ability to do that stuff and create that conflict. Now, 
Waddle had a pair of drops in this game. The second one was really, really good stuff from Tua. Cedric Wilson runs a good clear-out route to move the safeties and create a pocket behind the hook zone, but both linebackers have gotten what looks like proper depth. They're at the sticks, 10 yards downfield, and to me, that's preparation knowing the Dolphins eat this part of the field for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I better get more depth. But when your quarterback is playing almost perfectly, it don't matter. Because here comes Waddle breaking his route in at 11 yards, one yard behind them. He could literally reach out and touch those hook linebackers. So what does Tua do? Does the exact same thing he did to the Gasecki throw against Baltimore. Put it up high, put it up over their arm, so the only guy that can make a catch is your receiver. It's right on Waddle's hands, just couldn't complete the catch. But what a freaking throw, man. That's where you see the velocity that Tua has on those intermediate shots, those rip throws. He also does it, by the way, taking on water in the pocket as more pressure got to Tua, as was kind of the case in this game. We'll talk more about that here in a second. I love the deep shot to Sherfield. The almost hit that one. That's one of those plays where you hit that and the defense has to say to themselves, what the hell do we do, man? We have to worry about Tyreek and Jalen. And now we got Trent Sherfield running past us. Like, whew, I love that idea. I think we'll come back to that again later in the year and see a potential opportunity there with Sherfield going deep. The deep ball to Waddle that he did catch was really created by a pump fake on a cross to Tyreek Hill. Coach talked about us on Monday about Tyreek's commanding attention. And we'll play that sound clip for you here at the end of the show. Uh, They're in too high and the boundary safety bites on the pump fake. Tua really sells this pump fake to Tyreek and he comes up and takes himself out of the equation from that wide side of the field to open it up for Jalen Waddle, who's running that kind of post to the pylon. And that doesn't make any sense. It's, It's a crossing route that looks like it's going to the pylon but it winds up going to the post. And you got to give the field safety credit because he did keep depth and stayed on top of the route, but you see the boundary safety drive hard on that pump fake, and then Tua gave his guy a shot, and since Jalen's that dude, goes up and makes a play for 34 yards. Very next play, man, naked boot right into a Texans free runner. It didn't work. The design of the play didn't work, but sometimes you need your players to make play when the play calls wrong. Tua does it as much as anybody. He's got to stop, pivot, and throw, and he throws from a position falling back, squared completely up with the middle of his shoulders both pointing towards his target. The the opposite of ideal, right? But the ball's there. Tyreek's got it for a first down. It's so impressive because on plays like this, you're happy if the quarterback can avoid a negative. Not only are we doing that, we're generating positive plays in situations like this and doing it with regularity. The sacks that Tua avoided in the final two minutes of the half backed up on that one play, that's great, great stuff from your quarterback. And then throw it away, live to fight another day because you come back and it's 25 yards River Craycraft. Like, save the play because this offense is good enough to execute on second and 10, third and 10. Stay alive. That's the key because you're so good and so efficient that you got to stay alive because you always have a chance. And we'll go ahead and finish here with another avoided sack from Tua. A big completion of Cedric Wilson on the last drive of the first half. Pressure immediately to Tua's right. He steps up off the spot and with more pressure from the left side because both tackles got ran back into the quarterback, Tua does this accelerated throwing motion where the ball is just up and out before that clean defender has a chance to put his hand on the ball. He was substantially closer to Tua than Bradley Chubb was to Kyle Allen on his forced fumble. And Tua hasn't lost a fumble all year. In fact, he only has the one, I believe, on the season opener. Stuff like this is why. Oh, by the way, a strike to Cedric Wilson to move the chains too. Let's go ahead and talk about Skylar Thompson before we take our first break. Uh, nice to see him get some extended work 
Just thought he was a little bit off on a couple of throws. Not his best day. It looked more like the Jets game to me than the Vikings game where he was late on some stuff. The hookup timing was off. It never felt like he got into a rhythm. Just off. He short hopped an open bootleg throw to Waddle and wasn't pulling the trigger on some open throws where we would take off and slide down for short gains opposed to trying to challenge the defense with the throwing, the passing game. But again, this is a seventh round rookie, so it's not like some reason to panic or anything. It's just, you know, it's not like it's the second pick of the draft. He's got some, some things on tape to work on now. And you did see some of the natural ability from Skyler that makes you excited about his future, the ability to quick twitch, get off the spot, the arm strength to drive the ball down the field. I loved that deep shot to Waddle. That I'll, I'll take that shot nine times out of ten to Jalen Waddle. Uh, so, yeah, I got some good experience there. Not his best tape, but definitely some stuff to work on there for Skylar Thompson. All right, let's go ahead and take our first break. I know we're only to the quarterback position, and we're about <laughs> what is this, 20 minutes into this. Uh, let's go ahead and take that break, come back, and do the rest of the offense and the defense. Plenty to come here at Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Back here on a all 22 review edition of the Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield. We talked about Tua at length. Why wouldn't you? Let's go ahead and talk about the rest of the offense. Tyreek Hill, we mentioned this in the offseason with the great Kurt Warner breakdown he did on YouTube. But the way that Tyreek is so detailed to take the extra steps to maximize windows and separation, I think, in addition to the speed, obviously, is the real superpower of his game. Like, rather than accepting what a window is, he will drive and push the defender to the absolute brink, the absolute limit, before making his critical move at the top of the route, and it creates just an extra fraction of a second of hesitation. And it doesn't just help Tyreek, it helps his teammates get open. A good example of that is the catch he had on the opening drive of the second half, just slides a little bit into vacated space to maximize the window that his quarterback had to throw into. He was open, but he moved to more open space. He's one of the most quarterback-friendly receivers I've ever seen in my life. Jalen Waddle just love the way he can adjust for the way teams want to reroute or try to disrupt him off the stem by zone positioning or by physically you know, moving him. It doesn't matter. He has an answer for how to get through the contact or the obstacle without slowing his pace. It's big time stuff. I got to mention the two drops. I just think it's ridiculous to harp on them beyond that for a guy who's, you know, fifth in the league in receiving. And I know nobody's more upset with himself than Waddle for those. He'll catch him next time. In fact, he did just a few plays later. That little arm over move he does to avoid contact and like almost build acceleration, like he's downshifting somehow as a, a sprinter, is becoming one of my favorite moves of any player on this team. The only way to slow a player like that 
is to get hands on him, and he's able to avoid those strikes of the chest plate, and it keeps him clean, and it's it's just part of his great route running skill set. How about that catch on the deep ball? Your five foot ten, fourth two receiver can climb the ladder and pull down a 50-50 ball. <laughs> Garsh. Damn, man. I, I think the touchdown, I think he had a touchdown on the pass right before the half where he slipped out of his break. That ball was right where it needed to be. And knowing Jalen making grabs like that, I think it's a touchdown if he does not slip. And it happened on one of those really torn up areas of the field. So luckily, no more Canes games this year uh, for the Packers and Jets game at Hard Rock Stadium. And hopefully some home playoff games as well. Uh, Trent Sherfield, the catch on fourth down is so much better than I originally thought. We lauded Tua for the work that goes into locating the ball there, but it was a little bit out in front, and Trent had to pluck it off of his frame and kind of catch the back of the football with his hands and survive a hit from a hook linebacker. You see that ball hit the turf all the time. Tough catch to make. I'm glad we have that guy running that route in that spot. Sherfield's been fantastic. River Craycraft, go Cougs. Uh, tough apple cup for me, but you know. Same player I've always loved going back to Washington State, baby. Good release to get off the line and shows you the urgency to get to the soft spot in the zone. And then like his coach, Wes Welker, just show your numbers with the quarterback and he'll put the ball on you and you can get upfield quickly. Nice hookup early in the second quarter to get back ahead of the chains after a deep miss ball to Trent Sherfield. That's why I'm talking about Tua staying out of negative plays. Second and 10, we feel good about that. So we can take those deep shots. We can negate negative plays and get back a second and 10 because we have weapons across the board that can move the chains on second and third and 10. Moving on to the running back position, Jeff Wilson. I wanted to note a play where he's in a nasty split on third and 11 on the last drive of the opening half. Nasty split means you're in tight to the formation, usually for extra blocking help, and that's what he does. He chips the end and then leaks out and picks up a first down on a reception on third and 11. Great job by Tua to find him on that check down and just a good job to do some dirty work by Wilson then get paid off with the first down reception. On the offensive line, Teron Armstead, every game there's little nuances that I just don't think you see frequently around the league. On Tua's touchdown, he gets this late hand on Jerry Hughes, who's trying to bend the edge, and it looks innocuous, but it knocks him off balance just enough to give Tua the extra fraction of a second. I love the way he's so patient and waits. It's like a receiver having quiet hands at the catch point. He waits to throw his hands until the absolute last minute, and it just allows him to get in good position, stay on balance, and get power behind that strike. He is an elite player, man. I hope he's going to be okay. We'll have an update for you on that in just one second. Earlier on the drive, he sets his landmark and redirects back inside on a spin move, and the rep is just over. Like, I don't think you can fool that guy, and that's what we talk about quiet hands. Like, you want to show that upfield rush? I know you cannot potentially go around the outside edge. I know you can potentially spin back inside, but I'm ready for you, big guy. Whatever you want to do, let's do it. I'll, I'll shut you down right here. It's clockwork with him. Connor Williams, I have such an appreciation for the way he stays on blocks. The entire idea behind defensive line play and pass rushing is to create momentum one way and then snap back the other way and hopefully eliminate the offensive lineman's ability to redirect with you. There's a rep where the three technique, you know, off the outside shoulder of the guard, slants all the way inside, trying to push pull Williams on his pass rush. And when he goes to disengage, problem, Connor still latched on. And the rep just sort of ends, like crime penetration, crime penetration, and then it just sort of ends. Austin Jackson, I loved his work in the run game last year, and I thought we saw more of that in this game. I like the way he fires off the ball and seeks out contact. It's exactly what this offense calls for, right? A couple of good snaps for Austin Jackson in his first game doing just that. However, I did think it was a rough start back for Austin Jackson. Gave gave way on a lot of bull rushes. Guys got into his chest plate and took him back to the quarterback. He gave up the inside post on a one pressure on two pretty early in the game. 
fell off some blocks. Just not his, his best game. He's seen better from Austin Jackson before. A lot of instances where he's trying to shorten the runway and the rusher initiates contact while he's still getting into that setup. As we talk about with the late hands from, from Teron Armstead, you're showing your move early and it's causing the anchor to never get dropped and he gets walked back into the quarterback as a result of that. Uh, we'll see about his injury here in a minute as well. Brandon Shell, it wasn't good at left tackle for him. It's not been pretty when he's been out there at the left tackle position. Uh, both perimeters besides Armstead's reps were allowing bull rushes into the quarterback's lap all day. Rob Jones really digging his work, man. The mass he offers really complements the quick setup passing game, a bigger surface area to get around on catch rock throw, just makes it tougher for those defenders to do anything from a pressure standpoint against a guy that's 335 pounds. It's, it's nice when you have two of those guys at guard, by the way, both named Rob, which is perfect. Uh, he had a wall off block where he beat the guy to the spot so bad that he drove him to the second level. And it goes back to what Matt Applebaum said about moving guys against their will with regards to Rob Jones, just pushing people around, putting them on their back. It's fun to watch. He had an awesome rep pulling playside early in the fourth quarter on a short Wilson run where he just wiped out the force defender. So some good stuff from 65. I thought Rob Hunt had an uncharacteristically off game in this one. There's a negative run play where he pulls and just runs over the backer in the B-gap, or I should say overruns the backer in the B-gap, who winds up making the tackle. That's usually his bread and butter, but he just missed it here. His feet got stagnant on one pass rush rep where he is out over his skis, and when the defensive tackle repositions his hands and redirects back inside, he push pulls and leaves Rob on the ground. So just, he's been great all year. Not his best game. That's okay, though. Uh, Alec Ingold, great block to clear the lane and make it a very obvious opening for Hefe's touchdown run, Jeff Wilson's touchdown run. Uh, like, here's my target, run off 30s back, cut it inside for a touchdown. He was the touchdown maker on that play, in my opinion. I thought Durham Smythe had one of his best reps of the year on a split flow action where the low, the, the edge tried to go low, and he got even lower and pancaked him on the first play. And I just love the way he made himself available for Tua on that touchdown pass. Feels himself coming open and throws his hands up like, Tua, right here, man, I'm open. Good stuff. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the defense here. We'll do the film, and then we'll go ahead and take our last break. Th- they were doing some really cool stuff in this game from a rotation standpoint to get Javon Holland down around the football more, like down around the box more, where they were starting too high with him and McKinley and really almost playing interchangeable because McKinley's more of a free safety than like, you know, Brandon Jones, for instance. Uh, but he's coming downhill more, Javon is, than he previously was. And I thought McKinley played a pretty heavy hand in that happening on Sunday. Both McKinley and Rowe played some in the post, and you see Holland just hovering around more, being around the football as a result of that, which is obviously a good thing. The Dolphins had really good spacing in this game in terms of how the zone coverages rotated and passed off and picked up players. There wasn't like these busts or big vacancies for guys to run into. It seems to me the communication was really good, and some of the upside that comes from that is the takeaway opportunities where if you're playing effective zones and you're in the right spot and you're not turning guys free, it gets more eyes in the quarterback And when guys make a mistake like Kyle Allen to Van Ginkle or to McKinley, it can create takeaway opportunities. As far as the players, it's rinse, repeat with Christian Wilkins. First play, chucks a guy out of the building and gets there for the stop. Next series, swims a man, chases down the run from the backside for a tackle for loss. He collapsed the interior pocket a couple of times, and I feel the exact same way about Zach Sealer every single week. Just dependable, does his job, uh, is versatile, makes a couple of splash plays, move on to the next game. Both those guys are so good. I think Raekwon Davis has quietly been going about his business now for a while. You're just not seeing a lot of movement when guys try to get down blocks on him, especially with double teams. He holds the point really well. He really has been utilizing the length to control reps early, like throw the hands and just be a tree stump. And because of the length, he can lock guys out. Did it time and time again in this game. Jalen Phillips, 
might be my favorite player. He's getting really close to it. Jalen Waddle's still my guy, but Jalen's there. I, I like the Jalen's. I, I guess I kind of like them all. I kind of like my whole team, really, you know? Uh, Phillips, is, his motor is crazy. The backside chase down that he had on Kyle Allen on that third down play is just the next example of his motor running as hot as anybody. I don't know what you can say about him anymore in that regard. He's been one of the most consistent players on the whole team this year. And what's cool about that is that it's not consistent in terms of his role. Like he'll rush the edge with speed. He'll do it with power. He operates as the screen setter on pick stunts. He'll rush from the three technique. He'll set a hard edge outside. Like his sack was an upfield rush from the three technique where he swats the outside hand of the guard, puts a foot in the ground, and then spins into his body to get that inside force. And because you get pressure from Bradley Chubb off the other side, Allen stepped right up into that spin move for a big sack for Jalen Phillips. That 2021 rookie class, man, gosh, it is hard to get much better than what Miami got from Waddle, Phillips, and Holland. It is, that's a, that's an all-time group, man. We saw a lot of those pass rush packages where you can really dial up anything you want, third and long. You know, we get Ingram, Phillips, Chubb, Wilkins out there together with some Duke Riley running some rush games as well. There are some really awesome sub package opportunities this team has when it's third and long. Speaking of Duke Riley and the linebackers, Baker, Roberts, and Duke, I thought are all playing really well. With Jerome, he's covering so much ground, which is nothing new, but he is like playing through contact at a level that, frankly, I'm not sure we've seen before. Like he's going and getting blocks. He's wriggling through when there's a chance to win with speed and quickness, but I think he's got some guys confused on best how to block him because at that second level, he's defeating blocks both with quickness and physicality, and that's that's as good as a running back that can do that, right? It's It's been cool to see him really take ownership of his, his position here and, and really play some good football here. Uh, for the Dolphins. Duke Riley running some rush games has been fun to watch. Had a, a potential, you know, part of a sack there with Melvin Ingram running the, the long route around. I just love what his speed and explosiveness does to open some things up. He can turn that corner like an end and play backwards like a linebacker. It's just no surprise to see him getting an uptick in snaps these last couple of games. Landon Roberts absolutely obliterated the running back on his sack. He scrapes in tight to the line and runs right through the last line of defense, gets to the quarterback for a big sack. How about Melvin Ingram's crossover step, putting guys in the absolute blender? The first sack we have, the right tackle sets wide, and he just blows by with that crossover step to the inside post, and it's over. That's the worst place you can get beat, and he's in there immediately. You got similar action from Sealer inside, and of course Duke ran that loop around the outside. Really, it was just a, a beautiful play that was executed and really doomed from three different gaps with Sealer, Ingram, and, and Duke all occupying one of those gaps. That edge that he set on the end around Melvin Ingram to start the third quarter was such a veteran play. Keep the outside shoulder free, key the flow, and then sprint to the perimeter to make the, the back or the receiver bubble back inside. What a what a game for Melvin Ingram. What an addition he has been. Uh, Bradley Chubb's forced fumble was a ridiculous display of athletic ability. The Texans dial up a bunch to his side, so he has this wide alignment to contend with a tight end and wide receiver on top of Laramie Tunzel being right there. Uh, Chubb negates that by just going a long way around. Fights through a chip of the receiver, which is easy work for him. And then an instant pass rush win on the tight end, also not a good matchup for the tight end. Then turn the corner and show the length to lay out and get a hand on the football. That's why you pay a first-round pick for that guy. That's a rare play that can change football games. And a closer game probably would have. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle covered a dump-off pass coming from depth and cutting it down short of the sticks to create a third down, a third down that would get Miami a stop on defense play before the play candidate he does stuff like that every single week did a great job on the pick of honoring the run getting upfield 
but then quickly retracing and getting depth backwards. And because of that, puts himself in position to capitalize on a misfire from the Houston quarterback. I thought we got vintage Xavier Howard on the dig that he nearly picked. No wasted movement going from depth to breaking in. Like he's getting depth to the receiver, you know, going upfield. And then the minute the receiver puts the foot in the ground and breaks it inside, like the way he pivots and opens the hips to get to that spot was all so smooth, like running the route for the receiver. The ball's a bit behind, but I think that X was getting his hands on the ball anyway. Just a classic Xavier Howard play to undercut that end breaker. And then his block on Van Ginkle's uh, interception run back. That's a guy who loves his teammates, man. Great, great example there of playing for one another. Another week, more Cater Kohu playing off screens. He spins out of a block and forces the receiver to bubble. Then we come back in the next quarter, and he damn near picks one off by keying it the entire way. And honestly, he beat the receiver to the spot, but it somehow wedges in there for a completion and then a tackle for loss. But man, I am impressed by something he does every single week. Eric Rowe seems to have found a really nice role in this defense, hanging out in the curl flats and playing a more physical brand of rallying up and tackling in addition to his work in the running game. We know about the forced fumble, but man, the effort is what gets me because... It's third and 24, third and a mile. The play is dead. The series is over. The ball's in the tight end's hands, 15 yards short of the sticks, and there are three defenders there. But Rowe doesn't rest on the laurels. He comes in and puts a perfect strike on Aikens and jars the ball free after Kohu has yet another textbook form tackle. Then, of course, X picks it up, and it's a Sunday stroll into the end zone for the boys. I think you see this relationship between Javon Holland and Roan McKinley starting to kind of take hold back there. The relationship of when to rotate, when can I cheat inside a little bit because you have me over the top on this play. They played really well as a tandem, and I thought, you know, of course, a trio when you factor in Eric Rowe into the game. But McKinley's interception, you know, was a, a, a example of that where he wheeled out and Javon came down and, and robbed a potential crossing route. But his INT, McKinley's, looks like a routine catch, but you see him flowing before the ball's even in the air. He was known for his prep in college, got a taste of it there. And then Javon Holland, man, just always around the football, quick movement, shutting things down, capping off deep routes. People are not getting much completions in the 10-plus yard range on this defense, and Javon Holland continues to be a big reason for that. Let's go ahead and take our last break right here. We'll come back on the other side and do some statistics for you you y'all, you guys, guys, gals. Uh, That's next, Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
segment number three on a busy edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Let's go ahead and get to the stats, the leaderboards, and all that fun stuff from around the web as 12 weeks are in the books. You're 8-3 Miami Dolphins. First place Miami Dolphins. Tua on 20-plus air yard throws was 2-for-4 with 58 yards. He was 8-for-14 uh, for 131 in the 10-19 to 19 intermediate range. All 10-plus yard air throws, 10-for-18, 189 clockwork for that dude he was blitzed uh, on four of his attempts he completed three of them for 49 yards he was not blitzed on 32 attempts completed 19 of those for 250 yards and a touchdown the touchdown pass that scramble sack evasion that came with 6.7 seconds time to throw which is the longest time to throw on a completion in his career for the season not much has changed he's in first place in passer rating qbr touchdown percentage yards per attempt adjusted yards per drop back net yards per attempt and epa per play the passer rating is 115.7 the qbr is 82.7 he's throwing touchdowns on 6.7 percent of his passes averaging nine yards per pass attempt and his epa is still right back at that 0.19 uh, right above patrick mahomes which you know he's top mahomes in all these categories basically it's 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 two and mahomes in most of these categories he is second in completion percentage, 69.7% completion. His interception percentage of 1.1 is third behind Brady and Hertz. His 284.9 passing yards per game is fourth, and his 4.1% sack percentage also fourth. So top five in like the 12 most important categories. Uh, he's 13 in total yards, which is crazy because he missed two and a half games, and tied for sixth in total touchdown passes. His plus 2.8%. Uh, completion percentage over expected fourth his 2.6 time to throw is fourth quickest and his 9.2 intended air yards is third most most in the nfl receiving craycraft led the way with 5.5 yards per route ran remember we want to be over two yards he more than doubled what's good in that number 13.8 yards per target a great number there as well and 22 yak yards Tyreek was next with 2.43 yards per route ran a great number for him he leads the NFL in that category also had 9.44 yards per target and 29 yak yards of his own Waddles at 2.18 yards per route ran so three guys really high production in the receiver room this week Uh, 8.5 yards per target 13 yards after the catch Cedric caught two for three for 26 and Sherfield caught two of five for 33 the Dolphins will enter week 13 with two top five receiving leaders in terms of yards Tyreek is one with 1,233 and Waddle is fifth with 963 the rank is the same for first downs Hill is first with 56 ahead of Travis or tied with Travis Kelsey and Waddle's fifth with 46 first downs Waddle's also tied for seventh in touchdowns he has six and of course Tyreek's 87 catches lead the NFL Rushing numbers, not much room on Sunday. One 10-yard run from Miles Gaskin, who also led the team with 3.6 yards after initial contact. Sorry about that. Uh, quarterback pressures, Armstead, none in 28 pass-blocking snaps. The rest of the guys played every snap, except for Austin Jackson, missed one at the end of the game. But pressure numbers, Armstead, zero. Rob Jones, three. Connor Williams, one. Rob Hunt, one. And Austin Jackson, six. And Brandon Shell five on just 23 pass blocking snaps there were 17 pressures on 51 dropbacks a 33.3 percent pressure rate that number as you know is up from the last few weeks defensively pressures Phillips had five Chubb and Ingram had four Wilkins had Wilkins Wilkins had three and Raekwon Davis had two eight guys had one pressure in the game Phillips is tied for eight among all PFF edge defenders with 45 quarterback pressures he's also tied for 16th with 21 run stops really blossoming here in year number two Run stops. Phillips had, and Erob both had four in the game. Sealer, Wilkins, and Baker all had 
uh, three apiece. Kohu and Rowe had two. Five guys had one run stop in the game. Coverage snaps, yards allowed, and how many snaps they were on the field for. X was out there for 47 snaps and did not allow a single yard. 0 for 2 passing against Xavier Howard, where the Houston Texans, his hometown Houston Texans. Uh, Javon Holland out there for 46 coverage snaps. He allowed just 11 yards receiving in the game. Kohu, 43 snaps, 12 yards allowed. Crossin, 31 snaps, 12 yards allowed. Eric Rowe, 37 snaps, 48 yards allowed. Good numbers across the board. Let's go ahead and get you the snap counts here real quick. Talk about the offensive line. Uh, three guys went the distance, Hunt, Jones, and Williams. Jackson played 70 of the 76 snaps. You had, where is Brandon Shell? 39 snaps for Shell. We had 37 for Teron Armstead and six snaps for Greg Little. Tua only played 55 snaps. That's 72% of the workload. Skylar Thompson finished the rest of the way with 21 snaps of his own. Jeff Wilson saw a big bump in, in, uh, in snap counts this week. 46 snaps led the running backs. Up next was Miles Gaskin with 26 snap counts. That was it for the offense. You had Alec Ingold played 34 snaps at receiver. Waddle, 47, led the way. Just 62%. Nice little break there for him and the rest of the guys. Trent Sherfield, 46 snaps, was second. Tyreek Hill, 45 snaps. So again, those guys have been really neck and neck all the last few weeks here as your top three guys. Said Wilson got 33 snaps and River Craycraft got 25. On defense, Holland, Kohu, and Howard played the entire game, all 61 snaps. Rowe gets a big lift in snap counts. 55 for him is 90%. And then we get a big drop-off here for guys to get some rest, which is good because Christian Wilkins plays a billion snaps every single week. Got some time off this week. 44 snaps is a decrease from his usual output. 43 for Sealer. Uh, Raekwon played 27 snaps. John Jenkins gave you 16. And Justin Zimmer gave you 13 snaps as well, uh, the newcomer there. At the linebacker spot, we had, let's go edge spot, actually. Chubb played 38, same as Phillips. Same number of snaps there for those guys. Ingram, 36. Uh, Let's see. Van Ginkle, 23 snaps. So there you go. Pretty good rotation there. At the off-ball linebacker position, we had Duke Riley played 31 snaps in the game. A big jump for him there. Where's Jerome at on this list? Why can't I find him? Oh, he played 34 snaps, and then Elandon Roberts played 30. So a good mix there for those guys as well, uh, pretty much across the board. And then the defensive backfield, talked about those guys that played most of the snaps in the game. Verone McKinley gave you 22, Clayton Fedulum gave you two, and Elijah Campbell gave you one. Let's go ahead and finish up here with three sound bites from head coach Mike McDaniel's Monday afternoon press conference. He started by telling us that Teron Armstead's pec injury is one that we're going to monitor and kind of get some more information on after the injury settles a little bit, see some specialists, get some more information there. And he said he is confident we'll see Teron Armstead again this season, which of course is great news, but rest up, get well soon, big fella. We need you. Uh, as far as Austin Jackson, he said it was the same injury, the same ankle, but not the same injury. No timeline there either. Same story on Byron Jones. And we'll go ahead and play three sound clips for you here. First, the question towards coach about the Niners game and going back home to face his former team, how he feels about that. It's all about the players, says Coach McDaniel. I will do everything in my power to make it um, another game because I think that should be the objective of any head coach uh, is that you make it about the players and I, I really stray away from um, making anything about me. I just don't believe in it. Um, I think that I have a very high opinion of the the 49ers franchise and players, coaches, staff members. Um, you know, I have a lot of love for anybody that I, that I work with, especially for um, that that extended period of time. So that those relationships and people 
um, will always matter to me. But in terms of this week, uh, I do. It will be odd for a second, for sure, to be in a different locker room or pulling up um, uh, on the bus in a weird area or um, being on a different sideline for for a second. I, I I'm assuming just odd as an abnormal, but after that, you know, my, my obligation is not to, my obligation is to serve, um, each and every player and coach and to, and try to get the best out of them. And nowhere in that equation has anything to do with my past history and travels. So that's why I don't, um, when I say it's not a, when it's not about me, I really, really mean it. Um, I do understand that there is, um, uh, I, I do understand where where people are coming from and thinking it's that way. That's just that's just me personally, and um, just a philosophy that I that I'm is is strong and near my heart. I wanted to ask Coach about Jalen Waddle's preparation. The comment that Tua made after the game on Sunday about the way that Jalen works and the detailed direction of his game. I wanted to ask Coach about was there a time, you know, obviously we knew you were a fan of his coming out of college and when you got here, the Waddle, Waddle comment on the uh, Lebatar show. But I wanted to ask him, is there a moment where you really realized this guy is not just a physical freak but also wired the right way? Here's Coach talking about Jalen Waddle's preparation. I love the way he worked uh, in OTAs. Um, and you know, I was very, very high on him coming out of college and had, and it was obvious in OTAs that I I really liked the human being and, um, definitely believed in him really coming back from, um, summer break and you you don't have any time to learn or, and you don't assume anything. I I didn't know how he's going to come back. Um, because that can be uh, a, a very um, huge, re- huge time for a receiver, a young receiver, especially in a new offense, is what do you do over um, between OTAs and, and training camp to prepare yourself for an NFL season. And I was as encouraged by his um, – I was as encouraged by him as any other player um, – in terms of how he came back ready to play. So it was obvious early, and he's, as we've gone on, it, very talented players aren't always that that hungry to be coached. Um, you, get, you have a lot of success as a very talented player, uh, and a lot of times, you know, I've experienced players feeling as though coaching's an insult. He is um, quite the opposite. You know, he, he keeps learning each and every week, and he is not um, – it, it's always – a guy has a chance to be really, really good and chase greatness in this league if you have a ton of talent, but you're constantly hoping that – yesterday's version was um, the worst version of yourself that you'll see moving forward, that you're constantly getting better. And that's something that he, 
has proven to his teammates that he he he's a really good player. We have to rely on him to uh, make plays for us to play the style of football we want to play. And his teammates rely on him and trust him. And I I, I know that each and every week he's going to do put his best foot forward um, to to be the best version of himself. Yesterday offered a great opportunity for him to improve. There was some stuff in the game that he'll tell you that he definitely could have done better and some situations um, that he encountered that was the first time in the offense that he encountered uh, this season. So there's uh, timing nuances and, and route running nuances that He's going to continue to progress, and that's why we got the Dolphins got a, a good one in him. Let's go ahead and finish up here on a very long edition of the Drive Time Podcast with a question for Coach about Tyreek Hill's impact, not just with what he does by himself, but what he does for the entire team and the entire offense. Here's Coach on Tyreek Hill. I guess the, the receiver position has always been unbelievably important because they, you know, you look at a receiver and their average yards per catch is generally longer than the first down, which means um, uh, they, they move the ball um, when, they are, uh, when they are involved. They, I think, as, or during my career, you've seen um, different applications of u- utilizing the receiver position um, in the areas of the run game, pass protection, um, the other phases, uh, to uh, try to st- stay ahead of defenses. I think that's something that's growing to a degree, um, having receivers do some things that uh, normally tight ends do. Um, I-, I think that's different. Uh, and I think, uh, in, in general, um, people have found ways to get receivers the ball more. Henceforth, uh, you know, I think the the receptions um a year record has gone up I mean I can't even remember what it was when I first started um but it was incrementally you've seen people um get bigger and bigger numbers at that position so when you are able to find ways to get people the ball more they can be a bigger part of the offense and I think that um when push comes to shove the with the amount of talent at the quarterback position in this league where guys can put um, place the ball down the field in really tight windows there's no coverage or um, there's no coverage or defensive philosophy or matchup uh, that can replicate having an elite player at that position and Tyreek Hill is somebody that defenses have to account for on every play and just by that, he can not only make plays for you, but he affects every other player on the field when you talk about people affecting, whether it's a, a coverage check or um, it's a, the, the safety is cheating um, to, a, to his side. You start um, being on the minds of every offensive player or every defensive player and coach. Uh, you have indirectly affected the game in, in, a, in an unbelievable way. So he he is a big-time player for us, um, but he affects the game 
specifically more than a stat sheet can really um, really do justice because every play he's in the game, um, you know, you, you it'd be hard you'd be hard pressed to think that um, in a majority of those the defensive coordinator would be calling um, the exact same call if he didn't exist or they 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 wouldn't be emphasizing it's kind of like talking about um you know Nick Nick Bosa uh, in that regard where you're very aware of where where he's at and i think that um is a huge deal but even bigger deal when he's uh a captive motivated by his peers that continues to progress um and his and evolve as a as a leader and a and someone that that dictates and sets the tone um, f- for the way your your team approaches football. And when you're when you're when the highest paid player on your team um, has no doesn't blink at doing the dirty work, um, the residuals are profound for sure. All right, I think we're pushing about an hour here on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. I'm going to go ahead and get out of here right now. Subscribe, rate, review, follow me, all that fun stuff. Uh, Fish Tank Spaces on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, post-game show. Check out the team YouTube channel for media availabilities and Dolphins Today. You can find all of Mike McDaniel's answers from today's media availability, uh, as well as MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline, daddy's coming home.